listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show host and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. And now, here's your hosts. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I am Lucio Reek, and well, joining me as my co-host, Mr. Lorenzo Reyna. Lorenzo, how you doing today? All right, I don't know about you, Lucio, but you know, I know it's hot in Fresno. I've been under a fire right here in the Lompoc area. Yeah. There's been a big brush fire going on. I, I heard about that. You guys are really digging in, and uh, and boy, talk about bad air quality. You guys are getting it right now. Well, you know, it's funny because it, it might be setting the tone for my future trip this weekend to Fresno. Well, you know what? The air is not as not as good over here either because I woke up this morning, went outside, and it smelled really bad like smoke. So I don't know if we're getting it from that smoke, that fire or if we're getting it from a combination of fire. So the air quality over here is just as bad. So, Okay, so we're on the same page then. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. So, um, But, you know, talking about being on the same page, I think the, the Fresno State Bulldogs were not on the same page for some reason uh, this past no. game. In fact, uh, it's it's really becoming really ugly. And, uh, well, for, for some of those fans out there, who really took offense to our show title from last week's episode, which was called uh, an un- unimpressive win against Sacramento State. Uh, some of the fans really didn't like uh, what we had to say about that. But you know what? Yeah, truth hurts, doesn't it? I mean, here's the thing. It's like, you know what? You guys, you fans are entitled to your opinion. I mean, we get that. Everybody is. But you know what? We are not apologizing for how we approach this recap against Fresno State, Sacramento State. And that leads me to say this. Fresno State was a fourth-quarter explosion away from being 0-3. If it weren't for that fourth-quarter explosion, you could be looking at an 0-3 football team heading into this game against Tulsa. And it also leads me to say this. With all that's gone on with Fresno State, especially looking at the Toledo game this past Saturday, you quite possibly could be looking at the worst one and two team in the country. I don't want to hear this whole thing about, oh, Fresno State's the best one and two team in the country. If they're the best one and two team in the country, they would be ranked in the top 25, all right? But they, it took a fourth quarter, an awesome fourth quarter, against a Sacramento State team that lost to a Division two school last week to bail them out of being 0-3. And then Toledo, I mean... I said it in the podcast. You said it in the podcast, Lucio. This was a dangerous team all along, and Fresno State made Toledo look as if they could play in the Big Ten. Yeah, it, it's not looking good right now for the Bulldogs, and uh, it's not going to get any better as the season goes on. And you know, I, before the season started, I was kind of optimistic from what I did see against you know against Nebraska at the beginning of the season. I was fairly optimistic. Now, not so much. Uh, the Bulldogs are really struggling right now. They're struggling on offense big time, which if they can't get the offense going, they are not going to win another game this season. Um, and, and yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going out on a limb right now. If they can't get it figured out, they're not even going to win against Hawaii. 
which, you know, Hawaii <laughs> is a pretty bad team. Yeah, Hawaii honestly is in way worse shape compared to Fresno State, but we're Fresno State is looking as if they're no different than Hawaii right now. I mean, granted, Fresno State has more healthier athletic budget issues compared to what Hawaii is enduring right now, but you know what? It goes back to what we've been saying about this football team. I mean, the Nebraska game, see, we didn't want to jump to a conclusion because you know what? It was just one game. We thought the effort was there, and so our initial thinking was, you know what? There might be signs of hope. Just if there's a any kind of consistency with the offense, if they can improve off of that performance against Nebraska, you know, it could be a respectable year. But we haven't seen any any steps forward. No, I mean, fact, have you seen any steps forward? No, I, in fact, we've seen a step backward. I mean, if things are progress, they're not getting better. They're progressively getting worse. So uh, I don't know what it is that's going on behind the scenes, and but. All I know is they need to figure it out. Uh, they need to figure it out, or somebody's going to be without a coaching job here soon if they can't. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I think that the 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 telling mark of probably if things do not get turned around, it's probably right around that Hawaii game, don't you think? I mean, uh, that might be sometime where something might happen if if things progressively keep getting worse. It's gotten to this point. In all honesty, I feel like that personnel changes either have to be made this week or they have to be made during the Tulsa game because, you know, I'm zeroing in on the quarterback position. I mentioned it on Twitter and you know what? I actually had some fans responding saying, you know, I said the exact same thing. I am still in a position where I haven't seen Chase and Virgil actually adjust to a college level defense. When I saw him play briefly against Toledo, he looked like a guy who was rattled. He looked like a guy who was a puppy going against a bunch of lions. Yeah, he just doesn't seem like he's kind of figured things out and he hasn't settled in. Now, at the beginning of the season, I was I was one of the 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 people who said that you know, they need to pick a quarterback and stick with him throughout the season. Well, they're sticking with him and there's sinking with him and right now yeah. uh I, I don't know i think the bulldogs are are more than struggling with him at the offense uh, and it might be time to kind of switch the quarterback just to see if there's a spark somewhere i mean i i don't know i mean here's the thing it's like this was obviously something that i'm sure the fresno state coaching staff didn't want to go through they didn't want to repeat of what happened last year when they pretty much had open tryouts for quarterback well, bottom line is this. You're one and two, and you're one and two for a reason. The quarterback play clearly hasn't been there. The offensive production hasn't been there. And I'll, the offensive production, either way you look at it, it does fall on the quarterback. Hence why I feel like that you might actually see Zach Klein a lot sooner than expected. And it could be for this game against Tulsa, especially if things don't even go, go right for Fresno State. Uh, no, definitely. If uh, if you know they can't get it figured out, uh, you know this is going to be the game that if if Virgil continues to struggle in the first two, I'd say about the first three or four series, if he can't get the ball moving, I have a feeling we're going to see Klein. Klein is going to come in, and uh, we'll we'll see what Klein can do. But until this point, we we've only seen Klein, you know, at certain small bits and pieces this season, and. I don't know. From a quarterback who has nothing to lose in Klein, 
if he comes in and performs, you know, just because he has no fear of uh, of losing the job, because basically this is his last year. So he can come in and do a few more things than Virgil, who is trying not to lose his starting job and might surprise a lot of people. You know what? On the topic, seeing on the topic of Virgil, this is what blows my mind. Tim DeRuiter managed to get Zach Greenlee, an Elite 11 finalist, to commit to Fresno State, especially when Mississippi State was actually one of the schools that was hot after Greenlee. Greenlee is no longer with the program. Then you get a guy like Jason Virgil through your recruiting class, and it becomes this huge recruiting coup because Virgil held several SEC offers. But the guy right now is struggling in the first three games of the season. So is this something that DeRuiter is doing? Or is it maybe the quarterbacks? I don't know. Well, you but know what? Still, it, it still looks bad on DeRuiter's part. It, it could be DeRuiter. I mean, if you look at it, Greenlee left the program. Uh, you know, especially you know, struggling here at Fresno State. Now he's over at UTEP and has the starting job, and he is killing it over there. So, is it you know the quarterback or is it the coach? And right now. You could make a case, a very strong case, that it's the coach. You know, because, you know, me, me and you were talking a little before uh, we got on, and we had mentioned, you know, this is the longest stretch that the Bulldog fans have faced with a bad football team since they built Bulldog Stadium. So, you know, who's responsible for that? Well, you know, in, in all fairness, it all ultimately lands on the coach, doesn't it? Absolutely, because you know what? Here's the thing. At the college level, when the team underperforms, it's really the head coach who gets the most heat. Not so much the defensive end, the place kicker, the center, the running back. Not so much the player. Not even the assistant coaches. It falls on the head coach. I mean, any program, regardless if it's Power 5, regardless if it's a mid-major, when a team is falling apart at the seams – it falls on the head coach. And, you know, I, I know a lot of you out there are, are looking for a glimmer of hope. And, well, if you're if you're looking for us to kind of sugarcoat it, you came to the wrong place. Uh, Lorenzo and I, <laughs> we, we're just we're at that point now where frustration has set in. We see things that is going on that ultimately, you know, we're getting the same excuses out of this coaching staff or primarily out of the head coach who keeps repeating himself you know, press conference after press conference, the exact same answers. It's like he's reading from a script. And I don't get a sense of any type of urgency for him to try to change things. It's almost as if he records things on like a voice recorder. He recites it and then he shares it, even though it's the same thing. I mean, if if you haven't had a chance, uh, I'm pretty sure you can catch the uh, the press conference, uh, yesterday's press conference, it's somewhere on YouTube. Uh, if not, you can go to Campus Insiders. I believe they have it on there as well. And yeah. it just, I, I want more emotion out of this coach, and I'm not getting it. Yeah. So I mean, uh, Pat Hill, at least Pat Hill had some emotions. I mean, I'll give Pat Hill that. Granted, like there were times that when Pat Hill would sound repetitive, but I felt like that when, whenever the media would attack one of a, a Fresno State player, like regardless if it was a quarterback or regardless if it was a defender or whatever, that's when you saw Pat Hill's emotions. I feel like I haven't gotten that emotional aspect from DeRuiter. Now, granted, 
I don't sit in those press conferences. You sit in those press conferences, Seal. And I guess he hasn't had one outburst yet, DeRuiter. No, no, he's pretty calm all the time. He just does. He just goes through the motions of answering the questions. And I'm kind of like, dude, I want to see some fire in you. <laughs> say something. You know, say something. And I'm sure you're not the only one. I'm sure there's other members of the Fresno media who are expecting the same thing. Oh, of course. I mean, uh, you've got uh, Paul Leffler from the radio. He was showing a little bit of his frustration, and uh, he stopped throwing little softballs at the at the head coach. He started, you know, throwing him some harder questions to try to get him to answer something instead of the same repetitive answer. But you know, he he went on and gave the same answer he's been giving the last couple of years, and it's just it's I'm tired of it. <laughs> I mean. You know, it's funny because like the the one thing that I remember that was repetitive out of Pat Hill was how much he glorified Boise State. That's the only time I remember Pat Hill for being repetitive. <laughs> well, you know, at least Pat Hill would give you something. I mean, he would he would uh, he would tell you what needs to be fixed. The Rooter doesn't really tell you what needs to be fixed. He just tells you, you know, what went wrong. And it's like, we know what went wrong. What are you going to do to fix it? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we're, we're watching the same game he's watching. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, so let's let's go into what the Bulldogs. Let's start off with what the Bulldogs did right during the game, because I, I, have, I have a feeling it's going to be the shortest part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> so. You know, in in your eyes, in what you heard or what you watched, what do you think they were doing right as far as the game was concerned? The punter. The punter. <laughs> right now, I told you short answer. Right now, the punter is the best player on the team for some reason, and you know what? Thank God for the punter. But the Blake problem is, you're the real MVP. But Let's the, just say that the problem is, is though, is that the offense is not getting you know getting any traction, so. The opposing team is starting like at midfield. You know, we got a great punter, but he can't kick 100 yards. <laughs> so, uh, you know. It should have fallen the punter. And you know what? I mean, that awkward moment when the punter is the most consistent player on your offense. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, you know, give the guy the MVP every single week. You know, at, at every press conference, after Coach uh, DeRuiter gets on, they usually bring in, you know, one of the top players of the game. I'm expecting to see the punter one of these weeks because maybe it might be this week. I mean, why not reward the guy? I mean, he's killing it punting the ball. Uh, but uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm that frustrated. But yeah, and you know, I can't, I can't really say you know what the 17 points was a positive against Toledo because a lot of those points came late, and as it was, Toledo jumped out in front 21 to zero. Now, one thing I did see that was a good thing was. You know, Virgil finally hit a deep ball. It was against but that the, was late in the game. It was against the second and third teamers, but he finally <laughs> hit a deep ball and and he hit it in stride. So that is a sign of improvement for Virgil. You know, the problem is there was no rush on him, so that that could be easy. He needs to figure it out when somebody's actually in his face. He has not been able to do that yet. That, and that goes back to what I've been saying. It's like I feel like that he's not making his reads when it comes to getting up at the line, seeing what coverage a defense is in, knowing when they're going to blitz. I mean, I have yet to see him do the cerebral aspect because we could go back to Derek Carr. Derek Carr had a brilliant football mind. I mean, you could talk about the physical stuff, but he knew what when 
coverage a defense was in. He knew when the defense was going to blitz. That's why Carr was probably one of the most better prepared quarterbacks for the NFL and why right now you see him killing it with the Oakland Raiders. Virgil, on the other hand, I mean, I've yet to see him like play the cerebral game. It's almost as if he's trying to rely on talent. Well, you know what? Relying on talent, especially against a team like Toledo, I mean, it's not going to cut it. And uh, coming up against a team like uh, Tulsa, you're just going to get annihilated. Tulsa is a very good team. If you thought Toledo took us apart, took the Bulldogs apart, um, Tulsa can do even more damage. So and you know what? They're really they're even scarier on defense from what I've been looking at. They're they're I honestly I think Tulsa has a more scarier defense than Toledo. And that's saying a lot. Now, right now, Fresno State is banking on that maybe the home crowd can get this team going and, and to get them in the right direction. Problem is, as after these performances like that, they're not gonna be able to put butts in the seats. Even with their you know, right now they're doing they're doing a promotion that you can get two tickets for twenty four dollars. So, so it's the basically the buy one get one free aspect. Problem is, right now they're going to have a hard time even giving them away for free after what they've seen in the last three games. So you know, I, I said over under was twenty one k. I said twenty one k. What's what, what's your um, guess for this Saturday? Well, you know what, like I said before, it, it might show twenty one thousand on paper. In all reality, there's probably going to be sixteen thousand in the stadium. So uh, it's it's a matter of you know perspective. I mean, it may say that on paper, but it might not be that in the stadium because it, a lot of those people are not, never going to make it into the stadium because they're going to be out tailgating on the outside instead. And then they're going to hit up Doghouse Grill. That, that's right. I mean, <laughs> what do you do? What do you do with a team that's been this bad for this long of a stretch? I mean, the Bulldog faithful is not used to that. They haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah, you know what? I feel like Fresno State fans have been very spoiled because whenever Pat Hill had a bad year, he would come back with a nine-win season. Or another thing, too, is that the last time Fresno State went 4-9 and they bring in Tim DeRuiter, it was a nine-win season. But since then, it's like since Derek Carr left, Fresno State can't even get past 500 now. And, and that's beginning to be a problem. Not only is that going to be hurting the Bulldogs in recruiting, but it's it's ultimately going to hurt a fan base that, uh, you know, has been there. And, uh, you know, if things don't improve, they're going to start turning their back on this program. And that's that's going to be a bad thing for the Bulldogs. I almost honestly, I mean, Tulsa, either way you look at it, is a tall order. My whole thing is Fresno State might actually savage some kind of hope for the season if they actually keep things close against Tulsa if the offense shows some kind of improvement if the defense is consistent I mean this is still a tall order but my whole thing is this this game I know it's early I know it's this early in the season but considering the circumstances that Fresno State is in honestly Lucio this game is a make or break game for Fresno State oh it's definitely a make or break game for Fresno State because if they come out flat like they did against Sacramento State or they just get annihilated like they did against Toledo uh, this the the crowd is not going to be there anymore the support for this this football team is going to be gone and once that's gone the players are going to quit and you know the coaching staff is going to completely lose this team if they cannot turn it around and show a great sense of fight from this team but they need to be consistent 
And you're going to hear fans clamoring for Lane Kiffin. <laughs> you should see the long laundry list of, of coaches that play, that the, the fans are asking for. And it's just um, some of them, they just need to stop saying them. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw Steve Sarkeesian's name. And I'm like, really? I mean, I almost wanted to like bust out a gif on that. Yeah. Like well, a really nice gif. Well, you know what? Let's let's jump back into you know what the Bulldogs did wrong, but and this is where it gets kind of tough. Where do we start? I mean, first of all, let's start with one thing that I you know I had mentioned on Twitter. You know, it's a math it's a math question. What is two hundred and fifty four total yards minus one hundred and thirty eight penalty yards equal? One hundred and sixteen. No, no, you're wrong. It's not very many wins. I mean, oh, that too. It's gonna if they can't get this figured out, they're gonna be in a world of hurt. I mean, that's uh, why I failed math. Uh, <laughs> one hundred and thirty-eight yards in penalties? Are you kidding me? It's almost as if they secretly had the Raider uniform on. I, I mean, it does. It makes no sense. I mean, there that right there. You know what? What did Coach Tim DeRuiter have to say? He equates that to being a young team who was wide-eyed at a game. Last time I checked, Toledo has a stadium of what 26,000 people. The Glass Bowl it, the Glass Bowl doesn't even have 100,000, not even 40,000, all right? Their stadium was what 26,000, that's how big it is. 26,000. I think only 18,000 showed up. It wasn't like they were getting blown out by the noise of the crowd. So, uh, I, and not only that, it, here's the other thing too. It's like you know what I mean. As good as Toledo is, they're actually unranked right now. Granted, it's their strength of schedule, but you know what though? I mean, Toledo was still unranked, and again, I just felt like Fresno State made Toledo look as if they were Ohio State or Michigan or something along those lines. It, it, it's, it, it baffles me. So, you know, you're, you're saying that the players are, are wide-eyed. I find that hard to believe because it really wasn't, you know, a big turnout of a crowd. And uh, I, I hold the coaches accountable for that one. I mean... And here's the thing. Like, I don't want to hear the term wide-eyed players when it comes to describing, like, the atmosphere if you're going into a place like Toledo or New Mexico or... Any mid-major. Most wide-eye players, they're going to have their pupils grow when they're playing at places like Ohio State, the Big House in Michigan, Florida State, uh-huh. Austin, Texas. Tennessee with 100,000 people. I mean, Yeah, Bristol, Bristol Speedway or the Rose Bowl or Palo Alto. I mean, those are the places where people are going to be in awe. I mean, Notre Dame as well. A lot of opponents, Nevada in particular, they treat Notre Dame trips as if it's a vacation. They walk around and they're like, hey, there's Touchdown Jesus. Hey, that's where they film Rudy. And then they get smashed. And, and one, thing, one thing I found out about this game now is that the, the, head, the coaching staff are now trying to experiment with the offensive line because to this point they have showed that the offensive line has had its issues. So they started switching some players around. Towards the end of the game, I felt that the offensive line started to get better with those changes. But one question remains is what's going to happen with this offensive line because they don't have the depth to figure this out. 
Yeah. And as as of right now, uh, in recruiting, the Bulldogs have only landed one offensive guard in this whole recruiting class, and they're already up to I believe twelve players who have committed to the you know to the 2017 class. So where do they go from here? Where are they going to pick up this offensive line? Here's the thing: it's 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 nice to know that Fresno State has a high number of commitments for this recruiting class, but your biggest flaws, some of your biggest flaws right now are on the offensive line. Like quarterback to me may not be too much of an issue because you got Cameron Burstyn and you got Mark Salazar. You got two quarterbacks already committed in the 2017 class, and now the onus becomes. Can Fresno State keep those guys? But, you know, your only offensive line commit right now is Jesse Chamberlain down south. And here's the other thing to consider, too, Lucio. Andrew Voorhees was a local product out of Kingsburg, and he's already committed to USC. He's already left Fresno State's backyard. You have Dane Nelson out of Central Valley Christian in Visalia, who actually has a connection to Pat Hill. He just got his first offer from Stinson University. Excuse me. He hasn't been offered by Fresno State just yet. I mean, there is still your pick of the litter outside of your own backyard. And yet you don't hear Fresno State aggressively pursuing these guys. I mean, yeah. I mean, another one is Nick Steele out of Sanger. He, uh, yeah. I, you know, I spoke with New him. Mexico offered. I, I, his first offer. I, I spoke with him and I asked him if Fresno State has been in contact. He said they used to be. They have stopped. It's basically been radio silence. And he is scratching his head about as much as I am. I mean, when you have uh, local talent, especially at the offensive line, why aren't you going after these guys? And it's funny, too, because you know who's also on Singer's staff is a former player under Tim DeRuda and Pat Hill, Nico Moda. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, I mean, it's the one position that is your most glaring need and you're not doing your due diligence. You're not you're not you know chasing these players. So it, it seems like their recruiting is, you know, though I like the players they've gotten so far this year. It's kind of, uh, you know, schizophrenic. Don't get me wrong. I mean, when you have guys like Lorenzo Ward, Eric Keyshaw, Bert Holler on your staff, I mean, your recruiting is going to improve. And it has done just that. But there's still some positions of glaring needs that Fresno State needs to get into. And judging by the three games that we've seen, now more than ever, Fresno State needs to load up on offensive linemen. I mean, granted, there's still time to go after Nelson. And maybe you might still get a chance to go after Steele before he decides to play for a Mountain West rival. Another thing, too, is that down in St. Bonaventure, yeah, you have Casey Roddick. You're probably not going to get Roddick since he has nine offers. Six of them, at least six of them, are from the Pac-12. But you have Tyler Ostrom, the opposite tackle, who's having a big year right now, big senior year. He hasn't heard from anybody yet, and he would look good in a Fresno State uniform. Which which is, you know, uh, I mean... Uh, you think there would be more, you know, of them chasing offensive linemen because that's right now. Let's face it, that is the biggest position that Fresno State needs to recruit at at the moment. That and probably running back is for more depth at the running back position is where they need to go chase. And as of right now, they're not chasing many offensive linemen that I know of, or very many running backs that I know. And of. I can add too. I can add too, Lucio at Oaks Christian. Fresno State has already lost Nicola DeFranzo, who committed to the Air Force Academy. DeFranzo was actually at the Fresno State Thousand Oaks camp back in June, and 
even then, he actually liked how the Fresno State coaches approached him, how they talked to him. I mean, it was almost as if he was expecting an offer, but it never came. Yet, in staying on the topic of Oaks Christian, you still have Ryan Goodman, the opposite offensive guard, to DeFranzo, who has only heard from Division II schools. I mean, he's also having a pretty productive year, and Oaks Christian scores a lot of points. And a lot of it is because of the offensive line play. So Goodman would be a good guy to go after if Fresno State makes the move. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, one, I think maybe we should kind of – We could go on and on. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, maybe we should try to switch gears a little bit. Let's, let's, let's start talking about the, the upcoming game against Tulsa. You know, this is this is going to be a matchup. You know, like like you said, it's probably going to be make or break for Fresno State if they do not show any sort of consistency on offense. If they continue to go three and out on multiple occasions, I have a feeling this crowd is going to turn on this team. And you know, here's a at warning. the game. Yeah, here's an advance warning for those Fresno State fans who are expecting some kind of huge game out of the offense out of Chase and Virgil. Tulsa's pass rush has seven sacks already this season. They're averaging two to three sacks per game. And in fact, in the season opener against San Jose State, they got to the Spartans four times. Eesh, eesh. That's uh, if they if they can get to them, they're going to be getting to uh, to uh, Virgil. Now, this is what are they going to do? Are they going to start rolling the pocket, maybe to give them more time to the quarterback? Or, you know, are they going to, you know, man up and block these players? But here's another thing, too, that, I mean, ball security becomes more important than ever in this game against Tulsa. Because along with the pass rush, Tulsa has forced six turnovers, including three fumble recoveries, three interceptions. And from what I understand, two of those interceptions were returned for touchdowns. So it's a very opportunistic defense. Uh, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I mean, they're they're gonna they're, they're gonna give Fresno State, you know, uh, more than they can handle if uh, if they can't get things figured out. Now they vowed to to get uh, more competition going on this week, uh, just to kind of bolster things up. Are we going to see a lot of different players switching in? At, you know, at the starting position this week, I, I don't know yet. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll know more at game time or closer to game time uh, if there's going to be any personnel changes. One can only hope so because, you don't know, right now they're not looking very good as far as anywhere on the football field. Um, you know, did uh, the, the defense, which was uh, w- what we thought was the better of the Fresno State squad last week got torched. And, and, and here's you know here's a um, here's a player that Fresno State has to account for on the defensive side of the football, sophomore safety McKinley Whitfield. In the season opener against San Jose State, he recovered a fumble on an attempted punt return, and not only that, last week in the huge win against North Carolina A and T, which was a rout, Whitfield blocked two punts. So not only is he a, a defensive standout, he's been a special team standout. And he's one of those guys who has a pick for the Tulsa defense. Uh, so this is going to be this is going to be a tough defense that the Bulldogs are going to face, which is not good news for the offense who has struggled for the first three games, and not good for the punter Cusick because now he's <laughs> going to deal with a guy who 
is actually known for blocking punts. I don't know. Maybe he'll become the best tackler on the team as well. <laughs> so, you know, uh, if he continues to do what he's doing, you know, he's going to be my favorite player of the year. Uh, which MVP? He's going to be the MVP of the year. I mean, uh, we'll 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 give him our own MVP award. Screw it. I mean, that's just the way Kusek has been playing this season. And uh, I don't know. I mean, offensively, how does? How how do the Bulldogs match up against a defense like that? I I, I don't know. What do you, what do you do? You know, how do you change things? Do you go more uh, short drops? Do you try to run it a little bit more, even though the running game is not there? Uh, I mean, uh, I I don't know. You almost have to run the football and pray. <laughs> it's gotten to that point. You know, bring back the bubble screen. I mean, who knows? I don't even know if that can work because you know what Tulsa does force a lot of turnovers. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, what do you do with this offense that uh, to this point has been, uh, you know, a disaster? I mean, what do you do? But you know, okay, so Tulsa's offense stacked up against Fresno State's defense. How do you see things going here? I mean, how do the how does their offense stack up? Tulsa's offense, well. When they connect, when they get going, they could put up a lot of points just like Toledo. And it starts with the quarterback, Dane Evans, and his go-to guy is Kevin Lucas. I mean, when these guys connect, they can be very explosive. Lucas had four receptions for 119 yards, three of them good for touchdowns. Oy, oy, oy. Okay, so... Uh... Evans, though, I mean, here's here's the good thing for Fresno State's defense. And this actually might offer some glimmer of hope, especially for the secondary. Even though Evans is a, the kind of quarterback who, when he gets going, he can be pretty raw, he does turn the ball over. In fact, he actually has more interceptions than he has touchdown passes. But the concern is, does Fresno State have enough in the secondary to force some turnovers against Evans? Because, you know... Outside of Lucas, I mean, it's a pretty solid trio of receivers with Justin Hobbs and Josh Atkinson. These guys average over 12 yards per catch. I mean, in, in this defense, the, the secondary, which was supposed to be the strongest point of the Bulldog team, um, really got tested last week and really got exposed. Um, you know, but the one player that consistently keeps getting burned, you know, uh, that's um, that's Tank Kelly. I don't really know what's going on with Tank Kelly. I mean, he's he's consistently getting burned. And for, the question for me is, why is he still in there? Um, Do they not have enough depth? They got enough, enough depth. I mean, uh, you got Juju Hughes, who I, have, I haven't even seen on defense yet. So what's going well, on I there? Mean, I guess the, the issue with Hughes is that I guess Fresno State wants to – to use a red shirt on him, but considering how this this team is playing, considering how the de- defense played against Toledo, you almost have to you know let a lo- young lion eat. You almost have to put him out there now. I mean, they've got a number of of incoming freshmen on the de- uh, at the DB position that you know are very good and really stood out during camp, and they're not using them. So. Something's going on here. You know, either they've already decided that they're going to redshirt these kids or they're seeing something that we don't. And at this point, I don't really trust their judgment right now. So, um, well, their judgment has led to the start and has led to mediocrity in the in more than over a year. 
Yeah, so, you know, let the kids play and see what they can do. I mean, as of right now, something needs to be done with Tank Kelly. Tank Kelly has been burned on multiple occasions going deep, and yet he still continues to play and still continues to make the same mistakes. So something there needs to be adjusted uh, in order for him to to be more successful. I don't know if they have to roll the coverage more to his side or what is going on, but whenever he's in there, bad things tend to happen. So I don't know. I, I don't like being critical of players like that. All That's just one observation that I've been seeing uh, in the last three games. So I, I don't know. I mean, as far as our... I guess the only point of the the team that Fresno State we haven't hit on yet, or or uh, the matchup is special teams. Um, other than you know our other than Fresno State's punter, how about Fresno State's kicking game? You know, have you shown? Are you getting the same feeling that I am that the coaching staff has no confidence in the in the kicking team? I, I see it. I mean, you know what I mean. It goes back to a question I'm pretty sure I asked last week. It's like, if you don't trust your kicker, why did you bring him in in the first place? And they've got, I believe there's like three, maybe even four kickers on the team. And yet they can't find one that they trust right now. That's the scary part. And here's the thing. If you get into a close contest and it comes down to a field goal, I mean... Are you going to put your kicker out there or are you going to trust Chase and Virgil, who already looks rattled, to uncork a huge Hail Mary? And, and he has shown time after time that he's not able to hit those passes. So uh, he, he's only hit one, like we said, this last game. He hit one with no pass rush against the th- second, maybe third defense of Toledo. That, to me, means nothing to me. Because he has not been able to hit it against the first team yet. So that right now is a bad situation for the Bulldogs. If you cannot stretch the field, you're one-dimensional. Especially Mm -hmm. if you have no run game. And right now, Fresno State has no run game. And here's the other thing, too, that I should point out. Tulsa's run defense, from what I saw, they only allow an average of 3.7 yards per carry. When you have a run defense that surrenders that amount of yards, that usually means you have a stout run defense. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the the struggles were only going to continue for Fresno State as far as the run game is concerned. Now, hope the hope is that maybe some of the 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 top-tier running backs on the Fresno State squad will start to get healthy. Uh, that is yet to be seen. So, I don't know what's going to happen. And even when they get healthy, you need an offensive line to block for them. And right yep. now, they're not even consistent. So there's the, there's all kinds of problems right now in offense. So I don't know. I don't know. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know how much we can beat a dead horse right now. And I just, I hate to continue to keep beating down the Bulldogs. But until they give me something good to talk about, this is this is going to be our theme for the year. <laughs> and this is the game. This is the game I'm planning to attend. <laughs> as it is i can already i mean a, a part i mean the it, it, there was a time when i was that college student at fresno state and i couldn't wait to be inside bulldog stadium those days are officially gone yeah i mean i'm i'm like wow i, I mean i'm just there to take photos or i mean just do what i need to do for the barkboard I, i'm i'm just there just for the people now 
like the barbecue, the the tri tip, the ribs, and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's what we got to do. I mean, uh, until until something changes, which I don't see happening here in the near future. You know, I hope they prove me wrong. But up up until now, things are are, are progressively getting worse. And, and only- honestly, I hope they prove me wrong. I hope they make a fool out of me. But you know what? We're we're looking smart on this. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll 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 see what happens, but uh, we'll see if if anything changes this upcoming week against Tulsa. Maybe they turn it around and they surprise us. But uh, don't look for any of those kind of predictions from us at this point. Um, in fact, you know, you'll see our predictions later on this week as to what we think the score is going to be. And let me warn you, eh, some of them might be pretty ugly. <laughs> yeah. So, our, our breakdowns are probably going to be pretty ugly. So I don't know. We'll just, uh, we'll have to wait and see, but you know what? I, I think Lorenzo, I think we're just going to go ahead and wrap it up for, for this week because you know, really there's not much else we can talk about unless we continue to bash the dogs. And mm-hmm. I'm just not in the mood to keep doing that. It's, it, it only gets <laughs> It only gets depressing. Yeah, it just gets depressing. So I don't know. I I think so. We'll go ahead and move on. So Lorenzo, why don't you uh, go ahead and let everybody know how they can get a hold of us? At Red Wave Report on Twitter. Once again, at Red Wave Report on Twitter. You can also like the Facebook fan page, which is Red Wave Report on Facebook. You can also give me a follow, which is at LJ underscore Reyna. Once again, at LJ underscore R-E-Y-N-A. Yeah, and, you know, follow me, uh, like Lorenzo said, at Red Wave Report. Make sure you go check out our Facebook page, not only the Red Wave Report Facebook page, but also the BarkBoard.com Facebook page. We post a lot more stuff over at the BarkBoard.com Facebook page that sometimes doesn't get up in other places, only because, you know, it's Facebook. Everybody goes to Facebook for some reason. But uh, make sure you check out over at the BarkBoard.com for all the latest news and updates on Fresno State Athletics and also some local and some non-local recruiting news that uh, the Bulldogs are involved in. So again, make sure you head on over to thebarkboard.com. And uh, until next week, on behalf of the BarkBoard staff, I want to thank you for listening, and go dogs.